0: One of the major stumbling blocks for people to accept the authority of Scripture that God did indeed create everything in six little days about 6,000 years ago is the subject of astronomy. How old is this earth? How could the light from distant stars and galaxies reach this earth in just 6,000 years? Well, I want to welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative. And today, we have a special guest, Dr. Danny Faulkner who happens to have his PhD in astronomy. Welcome aboard, Danny. Thank you, Mike. And you've been keeping track of all these new current things that have been coming along in astronomy. Tell us some of the new things that are happening just out last week or just last month.
1: Well, you know, about a year ago, as in uh, March of 2014, uh, there was an announcement made by a group of uh, scientists studying what they call the BICEP2 experiment. That's in Antarctica, if you believe that. And they had claimed that um, they had found evidence of cosmic inflation, the first evidence of cosmic inflation.
0: Now, what would they mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> are, we, well, is, are we
1: getting bigger? Uh, yes, a lot bigger. The uh, uh, the Big Bang has been the standard cosmology for half a century, since 1965 when they discovered this thing called the cosmic microwave background. We just just say CMB for short. A couple of scientists back in 65 published uh, this thing they'd found. It was uh, radiation coming from every direction around them, uh, pretty the same temperature everywhere.
0: And that's the background radiation. That,
1: yes, it's okay. in the microwave part of the spectrum. It has an effective temperature of around 3 Kelvin, which in real temperature is like minus 450 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: It's colder than we get to here, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, it seemed to be coming from every direction in space, very uniform, we'd say isotropic, and it's just uh, uh, was. It's interesting. But the thing is, uh, seven years before, some people had predicted that if the universe began at a big bang, then the universe should be filled with some sort of low temperature radiation, probably in the microwave.
0: So that seemed to confirm the big bang, yeah. Road, didn't Yeah, and
1: in fact, up to that point, a lot of people thought they, the, you know, the what we call the state of state theory, and uh, this kind of blew that out of the water. And overnight, everybody abandoned that model, nearly everybody, and embraced the big bang. And it's been the only game in town cosmology wise again since the 1960s, and. Uh, uh, they've morphed the, the model a few times over the years. I talk sometimes about you know a comparison between the Big Bang of today and say 30 years ago, and how much it's changed. But um, there was a couple. Of, there were a couple of problems recognized by the 1970s. One's called the horizon problem. One's called the flatness problem.
0: You Explain those two to me. Okay,
1: a bit. <laughs> <laughs> as simply as I can. They're pretty complicated, mm-hmm. but I mentioned uh, this background radiation is coming from everywhere in space. You look off in this direction, and you see like a 2.73 something something degree curve. And you look off in this direction see precisely the same temperature. And you look off in this direction, every two directions you look in opposite directions, same temperature everywhere. Now the radiation from this point over here is just now getting to where we are. It obviously hasn't gotten to the point over there yet. Ditto for the radiation coming from, from over there to here and on to there. Now in physics, generally when two things have the same temperature, it's because they've come into thermal contact, which means they can exchange energy, exchange heat, such as radiation. If you took two objects that were different temperatures and brought them close together and, and watched them, you would find that the warmer one would get cooler and the cooler one would get warmer until they come to the same temperature. Okay. So, why is it that this point over here is the same temperature as that point over there when they didn't have time to exchange okay. energy? And you know, this is kind of a light travel time problem. The Sounds like a you, serious you,
0: problem you, for the Big Bang.
1: <laughs> you alluded earlier about you know how can we see things in in six thousand years uh, universe if, it, if the universe is billions of light years across? What's, we call that the light travel time problem, but, th- but this is the light travel time problem, too.
0: Yes. Is this even mentioned or taught in most schools?
1: Well, it now it is. Now they have a solution for it. Okay. I didn't find out about it until they had discovered the solution, at least theoretically, 30 years ago. I was in grad school, and I found out about this thing called cosmic inflation. Well, why do you need that? And then explained to me about the light travel time problem. The other problem is a little more complicated. It's... Um, uh, we can take the ratio of gravitational potential energy and kinetic energy, uh, its energy of motion mm-hmm. in the universe, and uh, that ratio is very close to one. And if the uh, ratio were uh, beginning of the universe billions of years ago at the Big Bang, if it were a little less than one, it should have, over after billions of years, been driven almost identically to zero. And if it's more than one, it should have gone up to like millions and billions but it's very close to one. Why? How could it be so close to one is the question. It seems like the universe is pretty contrived. So to answer these two, two problems, uh, about 30 years ago, early 1980s, there was a suggestion of cosmic inflation. This is the idea that uh, shortly after the Big Bang, you know, the Big Bang is a sudden appearance of, of, of matter, energy, space, and time. The Big Bang is really kind of a bad name because it suggests an explosion. Yes. and It really isn't. It's just a sudden appearance of everything. So the universe pops into existence where there was absolutely nothing, including even space and time, and it's expanding as it's doing this. It comes into, into existence expanding. Uh, but they hypothesize that uh, very shortly after the Big Bang, when I say very shortly, I'm talking like 10 to the minus 34 seconds, which would be like a hundred millionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a second, okay. and then the universe, uh, liquidy split, rapidly expands far faster than the speed of light. So in a very so ten to the minus thirty six seconds, thirty four seconds, it's over. Just bam, it happens. It's done, and um, the universe becomes many times larger than it was before. And, and as far as solving the the uh, flat the um, horizon problem. Uh, it allowed for the very tiny universe to come into thermal equilibrium with itself, come to the same temperature, and then inflation yanks the most of the universe out of thermal contact, but preserves the same temperature throughout. Seems really clever, doesn't it, to be able to do that? And it also would drive the ratio of the two energies I mentioned almost identically to one from which you would just only mm. gradually retreat after thirteen point eight billion years, so this is a very very cool, slick answer to the two problems, mm. but. Um there was no evidence for it. Yeah,
0: that's a, this is where I like to ask three critical thinking questions. How do you know it's true? Has it ever been observed? Are you making any assumptions? <laughs> okay.
1: Well, it's reverse order. They're making assumptions. There's no evidence to support it. And how do you know it's true? Well, because the universe is here and the way it looks, right? So therefore, it it must have happened as yes. a reasoning. Sort of like when you've, you've probably had this happen to you. Talk to somebody about evolution, and you give evidence against evolution, and they get exasperated and say at some point, well, we're here, aren't we? You've had people say that. Oh yes, you?
0: that's their best evidence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to be with, with, the, with the cosmic inflation. Um, the universe is here; it is the way that it is, and it couldn't be here any other way unless inflation happened. Ergo, inflation must have happened. Now, logical fallacies out, fallacies out the wazoo. There, it's not even science if you can't produce any evidence for the thing. But they thought they could find some evidence. Um, go back to the background radiation. They've done three huge mappings of this. Uh, they had one called COBE in 89. They had mm-hmm. the uh, uh, W map about a decade later. And then a few years ago, they had the, the Planck. each one mm-hmm. of those finer detail, looking at more, more detailed things. Well, um, radiation is a wave phenomenon. You have this thing going like this, like a wave, and uh, the waves generally are going in all sorts of directions. You'll have some going like this and some going like this and in between, but if you have... Some that's vibrating more in one direction than another, we say it's partially polarized because it's got a pole associated with it. One of the best examples I left in my car, I should have brought my uh, s- sunglasses in because I always get Polaroid sunglasses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they are, have uh, some tinting, but they also have partially uh, polarized uh, lenses, so they only allow light vibrating this way to come through the glasses. And when light glances off and reflects off of a surface, it is vibrating this way, and so you block out the glare, and you don't have this bad reflection of the sunlight coming. So
0: that's how they do it. That's, that's how they do it. We, that's why we pay more money for and, those.
1: That's why you pay more money. You got to pay the uh, the uh, the Polaroid Corporation a royalty every time you <laughs> yeah, buy one because yeah. Alfred Land, who founded the Polaroid uh, Corporation, uh, came up with a really cheap way to make those polarizing lenses almost 100 years ago now. Made a made a fortune off of it, by the yeah. way, but the. Um, the neat thing is, is that if you tried to tint your glasses that dark, you couldn't see the road. Okay. And uh, you know, if you go fishing, you can see fish under the water. They're really the only kind of glass, sunglasses to get, as far as I'm concerned. Well, what they used at the BICEP-2 experiment in, in Antarctica was a little more complicated, a pair of sungla- uh, Bill Dan's sunglasses. You know? uh, they, uh, they're looking for polarization in the light. And the light is polarized in various random ways. But they're looking for a particular pattern in the polarization. They call it B-mode polarization. It took me a while to figure that out a couple of years ago what that means, but you've got, basically got a swirling motion, uh, swirling a pattern in this thing. It's, and they try to mathematically, um, they, they deconvolve it and put a mathematical expression for it to try to determine how polarized it is, how much B-mode B polarization they have. And according to the Big Bang model with, with cosmic inflation, when cosmic inflation happened, it uh, would have set up gravitational waves which these are vibrations in space which mm-hmm. yes. we're having trouble detecting because they're pretty low order stuff. And these vi- gravitational waves then would have caused, uh, when, the, when the background radiation was produced, a certain polarization pattern caused by the, the, the gravitational waves. And so by looking for this imprint of the, of the B-mode polarization in the background radiation, they can then say they found evidence for... Uh, for for cosmic inflation. I went to a couple of astronomy meetings the last couple of years in January, and they were talking about the possibility of doing this. Some of them from the BICEP team even presented at these talks.
0: So this is what they predicted Mm -hmm. that the Big Bang should have caused. The cosmic inflation after the Big Bang. Not just the Big Big Bang, Bang, but the cosmic 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 inflation. You're
1: building model on model on model to to make it How did
0: they know it should do this? Just
1: from the theory of the thing. If inflation has happened, then this ought to happen. Of course, now you can make it go away by just changing the model a little bit. And there's a history of that. Uh, they found the, you know, the COBE experiment I mentioned from 1989 to 91. It was supposed to look for temperature fluctuations in the background the radiation to explain the structures we see in the galaxy. And the COBE experiment was designed specifically to measure the temperature fluctuations that were predicted by the model at the time. And what they did is they um, uh, found them, it was awful hard, but they found them at a level 10 times lower than predicted. And since then, people have said that the uh, theory and predictions matched beautifully. And I was like, wait a minute, I lost something They here. had to change one. They changed one? the theory <laughs> okay. to match the data. And uh, it would be like sort of like you, know, you give a final exam to your students at a university, and you give them the answers before you, you give them the test. And, of course, they're all going to ace it, I would hope. Yes. So that's what they did with this. So in th- th- this particular case, though, uh, uh, they've not uh, tried that. So uh, what happened is they... they, uh, they, they uh, did the experiment they started you know mapping very great detail and on st patrick's day in 2014 they had a press conference uh, that they announced their results mm-hmm. and news had been swirling for a few days i got a you know heads up the few the week before and so here at answers in genesis i i wrote a uh, a brief uh, response and we posted it uh, the same day i think the news, the news press press conferences at noon I waited until after one o'clock when I could actually pick up what they had said so I could check it. And once I looked at it, I said, let's go ahead and go with it, what they I thought what they said what I thought they were gonna say. So by four o'clock we had a we had a response up there.
0: And that's on your website still. They oh can it's get still that. there. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: If you just go back to March 17th of last year, you'll find it. You know, look for a microwave background, B polarization, inflation, toxic inflation. And that's it, In that's it. An 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, I offered three possibilities there, and one of one of them I mentioned was uh, that uh, some other effect could mimic the signal. If it's real, I doubt if it's real, but if it's real, it could be mimicked by something else. And, and I was uh, lambasted by people. One of them was uh, a website called The Friendly Atheist. I don't know if you've tangled with him yet, but uh, he was uh, just just saying what, a, what an idiot or fool I was to suggest such a thing. Uh, basically, this is, we've proved cosmic inflation, Big Bang models proved, you people believe in six-day creation, you're totally wrong, blah, blah, blah. Even a couple of uh, Christian folk uh, took me on <laughs> saying, because they, they believe in the Big Bang and cosmic inflation. And kind of kind of ridiculed me, um, but you know, within a week there were other people who were who were saying we don't think this is evidence of cosmic inflation. It came from the Planck team, which were they were mapping the uh, cosmic microwave background a lot. And one thing that they had to throw there are a lot of factors that come into play, and one of them is there's uh, there are little tiny dust particles in our galaxy. These are microscopic, and uh, they're elongated for the most part. They're uh, They're like little rice grains, so they're longer than they are across. And these things can line up with magnetic fields in the galaxy like this, like pickets on a picket fence. And radiation comes through, guess what? It gets polarized. Yes. (laughs) So um, they were saying, we think this is polarization from this, and we're measuring this. They said, we haven't finished, they haven't done their data dump from this. A few months later, in 2014, they actually did. And so uh, I was quite interested, uh, end of January, I believe it was, there was another announcement and I went out there looking for it and uh, I downloaded the paper and read through it. It uh, was joint between uh, BICEP2, um, the Keck Array and Planck. Those are all teams ones. and they got a whole page full of, of authors on the thing. What's interesting is that the people who announced the polarization proving inflation last year, uh, they, were on, they were authors on this one too and all is said and done. Uh, They said, it's dust dust thing. so so the dust, dust in the in the in the Milky Way galaxy. Now they didn't officially. We hereby retract our earlier. No. But we didn't have to. I mean, everybody reading that knows that this uh, undoes what they. But do let it me for. let
0: me ask you: Did you get any apologies from those atheists? Uh, of
1: course not. You now, should. Here's the sad part. What, what planet are you living in, yeah. Mike?
0: <laughs> yes. Now here's the serious one: Did yeah. any of those Christians come back and apologize?
1: Not yet, but it's only been a week or two. Yes. So. I got a chance. Yes. Uh, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm not hurt. I'm not offended yes. or anything. I mean, uh, they're but, just they just—they're—they're saying what they think they ought to say. But, but where's the I, Christian I, walk I, I feel vindicated on yes, this. Yes. I said one of the possibilities I threw out was another effect. And now I, I people have supported what I said. I didn't say dust because I didn't know that. Within a week, I thought, okay, dust seems like a plausible explanation. Yes. And it turned out to be the case. Yeah. So we still have no evidence for cosmic inflation. But guess what? It's not changing too many minds out no, there, is not. it?
0: No, it's not. It's a shame we have so many Christians that are holding on to these uh, unbiblical tenets like the Big Bang and the Inflation, rather than standing on the authority of God's Word.
1: Well, I understand the temptation. Uh, you see, one thing about the Big Bang is it suggests mind to many people at least that the universe must have had a beginning because there was no universe, then there is a universe. And to most people that suggests there must be a cause behind it. Now, some people didn't get that memo, such as Lawrence Krauss. He wrote a book a couple years ago called A Universe from Nothing, where he tries to argue from physics how the universe could or might come into existence Mm -hmm. that way. Stephen Hawking has written similarly. So, you know, some of the biggest uh, minds out there, heaviest hitters, are not about to take that that approach. But there are many Christians who want to prove God's existence. They they claim they can see uh, the Big Bang Theory within the Genesis account and elsewhere in Scripture. The problem is uh, there's been... A history of people believing the Bible in the past who incorporated the cosmological thinking of their day and it ended up coming back to bite them very badly. Uh, one of them was the Septuagint when they translated the uh, Old Testament Hebrew into Greek 2300 years ago when they got to this thing in Genesis 1 called the Raqia, they translated a stereo model, which was this crystalline hard sphere that all the stars were on, geocentric oh, no. model. Okay, yes. And you know, Jerome translated it firmamentum into Latin, and King James transliterated that as firmament, and we still live with that baggage today. The rakia in modern translations is more expanse than it is that. So it's a bad translation. We still. After two millennia plus, we're, we're living Stop with And then 400 years ago, the, uh, by, by 400 years ago, during the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church endorsed the Ptolemaic model with the, of the planets orbiting the earth and epicycles. Yeah. And that was a whole thing with the Galileo affair. By the way, the Galileo affair was badly handled. Today, people are drawing the wrong lessons from it. Uh, for instance, he was not charged with heresy. He was charged with insubordination. And by the way, he was guilty. <laughs> That's the reason why he was not executed, because insubordination's okay. a little bit less than okay. than heresy. Okay. But at any rate, um, uh, we're still living with that today, because every time the question of origins comes up, and people say, "Well, you, you Christians, you're just trying to uh, force re- religion into science, just like Galileo was trying to battle." No, no, uh, that was a whole different different issue. So two uh, two times episodes in history where people embraced. Uh, the wrong cosmological model, and when times changed, fashions changed, and science changed, they look pretty silly endorsing the wrong theory. And I fear that the the Big Bang, if history is any teacher, eventually will be abandoned in favor of some other model, and if you've wedded your apologetics and your Christianity and your biblical interpretation to the Big Bang, then when it goes, your apologetics and your Bible goes with it as well. And That's the fear that I have for people like that.
0: I I agree. History does repeat itself, doesn't it? It
1: does. History does repeat itself.
0: But you're on safe ground if you start with the Bible and do not add anything into it as God has told us. Stand on the authority of His Word. And don't abandon His Word for some new modern thing that sounds so good and goes along with maybe the majority of the scientists. Stick with God's Word. Do you have any more things to, to talk about that deal with this issue of astronomy that are very very popular, such as maybe distant starlight?
1: Yeah, I've written about distant starlight. It's a it's a, we introduced that beginning of the talk anyway, and uh, usually the way it's it's formulated is you've got. Um Uh, 6,000 years, let's say, since the creation from the biblical chronologies, and we have uh, galaxies that are millions or billions of light years away from us, and I think those distances are reasonably correct. They're they're not Mm -hmm. hundreds or thousands. So the question is how can we see these objects? That shouldn't
0: Uh, be a problem. Captain
1: Kirk does it all the (laughs) time. time. (laughs) Something like that. Well, there are different solutions out there. I know of at least five others out there, but you know, in the last couple of years I've published my own proposal for one. I call it the Dasha solution. and. I would like to point out that the the problem is not well formulated, as I just laid out. It's actually the situation's even worse. Instead of looking at it at the end of creation, 6,000 years after creation, let's look at it on day six. Adam's created, the, the, the creation is finished, night falls, it's the beginning of day seven. Adam looks up and what does he see? Stars. Had to see the stars because you see they were given functions on day four. What what things are supposed to do. And if you can't see them, they can't fulfill the functions. The nearest star after the sun is more than four light years away. And I don't think Adam waited. Oh, there's one after four years and three months or so. Then there's another one. It didn't happen that way. He saw probably pretty much what we see today. So instead of thinking out of the most distant objects in the universe, how about trying the, the closest stars to us? How did the light get here at the end of day six, or probably day four even? If you can answer that question, you can probably answer all the rest of the starlight. And starting from that approach, I also begin comparing the different days of creation. I got this, this, this term I'm trying to coin. I haven't really trotted it out too much. I call it process creation not progressive creation, not process theology, those are both bad ideas, yeah. <laughs> but process creation. Many times people erroneously think that uh, everything's ex nihilo, poof, there's a tree, poof, there's a whale. That's not what the text says if you read it very carefully. Uh, if you read about Adam, for instance, God shaped him out of the dust of the ground and he breathed on him and became a living soul. That's a process. didn't take very long, but I don't think it was instantaneous. On the day three account, it talks of the of the. It says, "Let the earth bring forth these plants." And and if you look at the words of the two um, words translated the King James, at least bring forth and brought forth. Uh, these two different words, these verbs, suggest this very rapid abnormal growth, shooting up, thrusting up out of the ground like a time-lapse movie or something. We see the, the dry land appearing on day, uh, day three as well. And I don't think it's just poof, it happened. They had waters that receded, land that shot up. There were some processes going on. On day six, he said, let the earth bring forth all these animals. These animals apparently came out of the ground like, like Adam. There's a suggestion of the uh, waters doing the same thing on day five. Um, so I think on several of the days of creation week, we see what I would call process creation. Not, not evolutionary, not slow, not gradual, but still a process. Very rapid, very directed. Okay. So I, I said, well, what happened on day three with the plants? Well, like a, like a uh, time-lapse movie, these, this little twi- sapling comes out of the ground. It gains in height and girth branches, twigs, leaves, acorns.
0: But they did all that within the little 24-hour period.
1: Or yes. actually probably a few minutes maybe. Yes, but yes. the thing was 30, 40 years of growth. Abnormally fast. Why? There are squirrels coming along in th- three more days that needed all of that, and uh, you know any kind of plants that we get food from. It's a couple of months from the time they germinate to the time you you yeah. get any food. So we all would have starved to death if we had to rely upon gradual. So God rapidly brought them to maturity uh, to do that. They weren't, bo- they weren't made mature, they were brought to maturity. There's a difference there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why not the same sort of pattern on day four? God forms the the stars and other objects by extension astronomical bodies in the same way that the plants could fulfill their function by bringing uh, them up out of the ground rapidly. Why could not bring, why could God not bring the light very rapidly to us? um and i think uh some of the passages we find in the prophetic and poetic books of the Old Testament talks about the stretching of the heavens. Yes. I'm wondering if that might be what it's talking about. I don't know. I don't want to be definitive. For a long time, I thought, like many people do, that that's referring to expansion of the universe. I don't think so anymore. I think there's something else during creation week that's finished. Now, some people I've shared this with, some I've shared it with lay people. They like my, my solution. Uh, when I share it with other fellow creation scientists, they don't. And the, the, the hang-up they seem to have is that, well, you're, you're applying, a, you know, God did it, a miracle. I said, yeah, and your point is, I mean, yes. this is creation week. Yes. You know, God did it when, when He had the virgin birth and when he, when he rose from the dead. Do you need scientific explanations for those? I don't think so.
0: But you also have your part with Adam. It doesn't say yeah. you're there, Adam. He molded
1: us out of Shaped and the, formed them, the process yeah. creation yes. I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm thinking... Um, uh, you know, why are we so embarrassed to, to talk about miracles taking place during the creation week? The writers of Hebrews and also I think the Colossians, uh, Paul wrote about the sustaining of the, of the creation today. And so uh, I think what happened is during the creation week, you had this creation stuff going on, creative acts And that's not sustaining. But then as the creation week wore on, and certainly by the end of it, maybe in stages, but by the end, God had withdrawn to the point that He's no longer creating, but He's sustaining by the power of His Word. And that sustaining, we tried to study the patterns we see there, and we call that physics. And uh, you you can't take your physics back Prior to when sustaining was the was was the norm okay. back to creation week, we have a problem and I don't mind taking physics all the way back to the creation week once you hit the end of day six though you better be prepared for some real surprises so I'm not ashamed of uh, just because I'm a scientist a physical scientist I'm not ashamed to to, to uh, invoke a miracle here because I think creation by its very nature is miraculous
0: exactly that was his first that was his first miracle right there was the creation
1: yeah. and you know i i wrestled with the creation of this starlight time problem for over 30 years and it was probably about four years ago, five, I started cogitating. I remember I was just thinking about it over Christmas break, and suddenly I started getting this breakthrough in my thinking there. And I started sharing it with people, but I, I didn't really publish it until uh, almost two years ago. It would have been the summer of 2013 that I actually shared it in print with anyone.
0: Yep. yep. See, there's no problem with me accepting God's miracle there, because we know it had to be a miracle, because yep. he, only He can create it out of nothing, because yep. it started with nothing, Yeah. put it there. And it's hard to say you're right or you're wrong in the creation ministry unless you invoke the billions
1: of years, (laughs) then it's wrong. Yeah, we've got at least five solutions. Take your pick if you don't like any of them. But you know, Mike, uh, another thing that helped me along the way here is a realization one time, you you touched on it. Um, You know, if you really grasp the, the fact that there was nothing and then there was a lot of something, that's the real miracle. Yes. Getting the light here, that's nothing compared to the miracle of creation itself. That, we're, we're, we're actually stressing that, over the wrong things. That's how
0: I like to answer. It's trivial. That's it's trivial. how I answer that question, yeah. starting with, for Christians, how'd the distance start like it here? I say, do you believe God created a thing out of nothing? Well, yes, then the rest of it's easy.
1: <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> he can walk on water. He can raise the dead. And he can get light here real fast. Yes. How he can... did it, well, we don't know yet, right. but I've got an idea.
0: Yes. And that's that's what we should be doing, because the more we do this as scientists, the more we see the hand of our Creator out there and His glory and His power that only He can create out of nothing. I want to thank you very much, Danny. What an enlightening conversation, and I really appreciate your background in this ministry. and your science that God's given you all this gift and you're using it to glorify him. Well, thank you, I really God. appreciate that. And thank you and God bless all of you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3:15 but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness
1: and fear